0: member-only access at PaulStoneSports.org. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello again, I'm uh, Paul Stone, everyone, and this is episode 126 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. As I record, uh, about 325 p.m. on Thursday, October 26th, closing in on, uh, or we've actually started, rather, week nine of the college football season. Got a couple of games on tap tonight. Uh, really some attractive games if you like college football, like many of you do. Uh, got an ACC game, Syracuse at Virginia Tech there at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. I've had the opportunity to spend uh Some time in Blacksburg. I actually lived in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, as a younger man and uh, uh, spent some time on the Virginia Tech campus uh, as part of my job responsibilities back in the day. Never went to a game at Lane Stadium and still need to get there, but uh, Syracuse and Virginia Tech tonight at Lane Stadium. And then a really interesting Sunbelt game tonight rivals Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern second year head coach Clay Helton having some success there. That's going to be an interesting game with the total in the low 60. So, a couple of really good uh, college football games tonight on Thursday night, again, October 26. One thing I want to talk about uh, before I get into this in today's episode, by the way, episode 120, uh, 126 simply freestyling. One word, that's the title of freestyling. Because I'm just going to kind of freestyle. I'm just going to kind of talk about this and that, which is what I do, you know, fairly often. This is going to be pretty, pretty short. Had a lot going on this week. Um, Seems like as the season goes on, there's more and more responsibilities, and I never let those responsibilities deter from my handicapping. So that's always <laughs> my focus, and always what I'm going to spend oh. the majority of my time on, or the largest amount of my time on. So it's been a, been a really busy week. But I want to start out by saying two really attractive college football games tonight. And I have zero action. If you have a bet or bets on those games, you know, this doesn't mean I'm better than you or vice versa. You know, I actually bet a high volume of college football games, uh, which I should. It's my specialty. You know, if I'm going to you know, bet a high volume of games on the sport, it definitely needs to be something where I think I have an advantage and I think that that's the case over a large sample size uh in college football. But tonight again, you know, I just don't have any uh any action. Just don't see enough of an advantage to place a wager. And I'm bringing this up again because I talk about it fairly regularly. I'm bringing it up again just to kind of reiterate the fact that selectivity The fact that we get to pick and choose, while the book essentially has to put a number up on every game, is one of our main advantages if handled properly uh, on our side of the counter. The fact that we are able to pick and choose. You know, you don't want to be the guy or the girl who does well every week on his three or four top plays, or, or not every week, but most weeks you do really well on those games you really feel good about, the ones you have the strongest opinion on. You do well on those games most weeks, but you lose it back, or maybe even more than than you went on those three or four games. You lose it back, you know, betting, you know, so-called TV games or the marquee games or whatever. You know, personally, I pay zero attention to whether a game's on national television. Of course, today, if you subscribe to different services and ESPN Plus and so forth and so on, you're going to be able to see, have the opportunity to probably watch every game almost live. But, the, you know, how, how big of a game it is, whether the game's on TV, whether it's a marquee game, it just doesn't make any difference to me. You know, I'm looking for edges. And those elements, whether a game's on TV or not, whether it's a big game or not, just don't really play any role. You know, on these TV games like the two games tonight, you know, if you want to bet a ham sandwich or a medium cheese pizza, you know, kind of uh, gambling parlance for uh, a small bet, a smaller bet, if you want to do that ham sandwich, medium cheese pizza, just to have a little skin in the game, you know, there's not a whole lot of harm in that. I mean, I do that. I'm not going to act like I'm immune from all these possibilities and all these uh, lures of. uh, you know, having a little skin on the game, even if you don't have the strongest of opinions. But whether or not you bet anything at all just really depends on your goal structure and what you're hoping to achieve through all this. You know, it's one thing if you're just kind of hoping to add some enjoyment to your consumption of the games. And in reality, when it comes down to it, you're really resigned to the fact that you're going to lose money up to a certain amount say it's quite another however if your ultimate goal is really and truly to grow your bankroll over time and ultimately become a long-term winning sports better so you, you got to be the judge of um you know how you handle those things how much you bet if you decide to get involved on uh the TV games, the standalone games on these Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays now and Fridays that we're treated to every week of college football, how you approach those games, how much you uh, wager on those games if you do wager. So, you know, have a plan and and stick to it. I'm going to talk about uh, a few things here that I think really become more important and should be focused as the uh, focused on more so as the college football season reaches this stage, we're uh, hitting week nine and uh, it's a different ball game than it was back in week one and, and week two for that matter, maybe even week three. A lot has happened uh, between then and now. you know teams had teams had goals uh, at the start of the season. Uh, some of those goals uh, perhaps unrealistic but in the back of their minds, they were attainable. They were the, the stated goal, maybe even signage in the locker room, the posted goal. And now in some cases, those goals are, are no longer within reach and you're kind of just playing out the stream. So um, certainly that is one of the things I want to talk about. We're going to talk about motivation. Uh, but before I do, I want to talk about my, uh, do a quick plug, For my service, Paul Stone Sports, Uh, that is, if I can find, I had some notes here that I was going to refer to, but I really don't need any notes. I have had three straight uh, winning weekends in college football against the spread uh, as monitored by the sports monitor of Oklahoma City, hitting 56% against the spread on the 2023 season. And if you go back to November 1st, from November 1st of last season, the 2022 football season, November 1st to today, I'm hitting 60%, again, as monitored by the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City, uh, in all selections in college football. If you're interested uh, in any of my packages, including my college football, a prorated package for the rest of the year, please visit paulstonesports.org. Again, that's PaulStoneSports.org. So I want to talk about, since I mentioned motivation, let's talk about that. It's difficult to assess a team's motivation, a team's frame of mind at any given point in any sports season. Certainly in the college football season, uh, that's going to be 12 games in the regular season. Uh, you might play a conference championship game. You might play a bowl game. You know, if you make the college football playoff, you might play uh, two extra games there. But but you're really just guaranteed 12 te- games. Some teams will play 13. And I always say, and you've heard me use this term before if you're familiar with my work and have followed me through the years, collective team psyche. A team only has so much energy to expend over the course of a season. So if you play 12 games and you distribute your collective team psyche of 100% evenly over those 12 games, you have almost 8.5% per game, again, if distributed equally. Obviously, some games of those 12 regular season contests uh, don't get 8.5%, a little bit of a letdown, not as much emphasis the opponent perhaps Uh, Not a a name brand, not one of the better teams on their schedule. And then other games certainly get much more or at least somewhat more than that eight and a half percent average during a 12 game schedule. But it is difficult. It is subjective on in each of our individual effort, efforts to, uh, you know, to gauge where a team is mentally. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? How are they practicing? How are they focusing? Are they still fully engaged? So motivation at this time of the year becomes really, really critical for a team's success going forward and really challenging for handicappers such as you and I kind of to determine where they are. What is that state of mind? I think it's very interesting, a very interesting case study, the Southern Cal Trojans heading into week nine. They lost at Notre Dame and South Bend. Uh, I think they had five turnovers two weeks ago. Caleb Williams threw a career high, three interceptions, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. They lost at South Bend. And then this past weekend, in one of the better games uh, of the season, in my opinion, they lose at home at the Coliseum uh, to bitter Pac-12 rival Utah, 34-32. to on a game-ending field goal uh, at the buzzer by the youth. So they've lost two games in a row. The Trojans' structure before uh, the season started was certainly at the top of the list, was probably to win the Pac-12, but they absolutely had aspirations and legitimate aspirations of making the four-team college football playoff. Those aspirations are no longer. those uh, That goal is out the door. They've lost two in a row. Now they have to travel to Cal. They have to go to Berkeley, laying 10 and a half, pretty much universally, as I record here Thursday, uh, October 26th. Lincoln Riley, their coach, apparently dealing with pneumonia. He was not at practice Monday or Tuesday, but reportedly was at practice on Wednesday. So I'm under the impression, uh, again, as I record two days before game day, on Thursday the 26th here, I'm under the impression that Lincoln Riley is going to be on the sideline uh, Saturday in Berkeley as the Trojans uh, face the Golden Bears. But what is their frame of mind going to be? Where are they? I don't think you're going to get the Trojans' best punch in this scenario after losing two in a row, after seeing their playoff hopes extinguished. Um, I just don't believe they, they are going to give their best punch. But the question is, does Cal have enough talent to uh, take advantage of the opportunity? Justin Wilcox, their coach, has certainly been a very strong underdog um, coach through the years. They're getting double digits. Um, USC clearly has the talent advantage, so forth and so on. You know, it's not one of my major plays, but I took a small position on Cal. I would have liked to have taken a, and still might, would have liked to have taken a larger position, but I'm just not sure, again, if Cal has the horses, quote unquote, to take advantage of the opportunity uh, that's before them. So, uh, you know, that that's one of those motivation things and one of those energy type things as we get to week nine that we keep an eye on. I think I've said on this podcast, I've certainly said on uh, media appearances the last month that at some point, I think the Colorado Buffaloes are going to run out of steam. They put so much energy uh, into the first few weeks of the season, uh, played uh, with so much adrenaline and and so forth and so on that I just felt like at some point they're going to run out of juice. They're going to be running kind of on fumes. And and that's really where I kind of feel like this Colorado team is right now. You know, I talked about it uh, a few weeks ago. Again, I don't know Sometimes everything kind of blends together, but uh, I know I made the statement that I thought Colorado was kind of a go against team the last half of the season because uh, I just think the public still to this point remains at least somewhat infatuated with Coach Prime and the Buffaloes, uh, and they're, you know there's no value. The value is betting against them, and at the same time concurrently, I think, again, that they're running out of juice and they also are are very good offensively, but that defense uh, continues to be, uh, quite frankly, one of the worst in Power 5 football. I don't think that's uh, an overstatement. So I think they're a team that's kind of facing, again, motivation, energy issues perhaps uh, as we come down the stretch of the season. I can also talk about uh, injuries. You know, a lot of teams really are starting to accrue a number of injuries. It's easy to monitor and keep up with the injuries at the key quarterback position, and there have certainly been many of those. And a lot of quarterbacks right now that are either questionable this week or are not playing. Um, some are already out for the season, but there are injuries at other position groups as well, especially when you uh, are talking about um, what we call cluster injuries. Uh, for instance, uh, Nebraska this week, they're playing Purdue. Nebraska has three offensive linemen out against the Boilermakers. So a uh, you know significant number of, of offensive linemen missing for the Cornhuskers, uh, and that could certainly take its toll in that game. Uh, they might, could lose to Purdue, even though Nebraska is a small favorite at home there in Lincoln. Possibility of snow, I believe, on Saturday in Lincoln. And also you might you know, the total might be in play there. It might be less scoring because Nebraska's offensive line is going to feature some new faces, and there's so much continuity uh, and connectivity that is required for the offensive line to function properly as a unit. So uh, you might want to watch that. Arkansas Razorbacks, not so much injuries, but I think they were replacing three offensive linemen this year coming into the season. Offensive line never really clicked. They had, entering the season, the number two-ranked draft-eligible running back in the nation in Raheem Rocket Sanders. He's hardly played this year, hadn't played the last couple of weeks. I don't think, at least I think there's a possibility he won't play again this year. Uh, That's really hurt them. They didn't have a whole lot of playmakers to begin with. In the Texas A&M game three or four weeks back, boy, they had a tight end, a true freshman, Luke Haas. I believe is how you pronounce his last name, H-A-S-Z. Man, that guy was starting to play. He was like Brock uh, Bowers' light, you know, for Arkansas at that tight end position. Out for the year, he was really developing into a uh, weapon. So now the Razorbacks are just scrambling uh, for offense. You know, they hardly generated any offense in last week's home loss uh, to Mississippi State. So injuries, not only at the quarterback position, you know, you probably know the quarterbacks that are out, that are hurting, that are ailing, that are maybe going to play, that are probably not going to play, or they're out for the season. But look at those other positions too, and certainly when you see those cluster injuries, they start having an impact uh, this time of year. And I think some people too, as you get towards the end of the year and the season's not really headed where you thought it might, people who are battling injuries rather than play through them, if their team's in contention will will uh, choose maybe to shut it down uh, if their team's not where they expected to be, if that makes sense. So keep up with injuries. And then kind of along the same light, but not really exactly, we're we'll going to start having some of those so-called opt-outs. They're going to be players who are going to um, forego the remainder of the season at some point, and it might be more than just the bowl game. We've certainly seen a trend of that the last several seasons uh, after Southern Cal um, lost to Utah on Saturday night, this past Saturday, I know there was a comment uh, by one commentator who said, you know, Caleb Williams it's in his best interest, you know, to quit the season, not play any more college football, get ready for the draft. And we won't go into that, whether, you know, whether we agree with that type of uh, mindset or not, but, you know, I've thought about it, you know, that he very well might be somebody who might opt out early. And I think that's still a possibility, although he was quoted for whatever it's worth, I think earlier this week as saying, you know, we just got to keep fighting. We've got to keep scratching and clawing and keep, uh, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but we got to keep battling. So he he seems to at least portray to the media that he's still all in, that he's going to be part of the team. But I still think, you know, there's a possibility that he, Might not uh, finish the regular season, and and that others like himself with um, such a high probability of being a high draft choice in the 2024 NFL draft this coming April with lots of dollars on the line that they might, uh, you know, pull out of the season at some point. So try to keep up with those opt outs, try to have a a gut feel for who might be more. uh, Susceptible to losing those, you know, type of players. Obviously, if you don't have any really high quality players um, or, or players who are going to be drafted or drafted high, it's not as much as a consideration. I mean, it's probably not opt outs. Um, just in a general sense, you don't have to worry about them as much when you're handicapping the Sun Belt uh, in Conference USA than um, handicapping one of the Power Five conferences. So um, that's something to keep in mind, though. opt outs are certainly uh, part of the uh, narrative, you know, going forward as we enter uh, week nine of the college football season. I'm going to now give you a selection, then we're going to call episode 126 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast a wrap. And again, today's podcast titled Freestyling. And we're going to go to the Sun Belt Conference. Man, it is a it is a fun conference. It really is. Some of the smaller conferences I don't get into probably as much as uh, other fans do and other handicappers. But I really like the Sun Belt Conference. It, it's just got a lot of good teams. Um, got some offense for the most part. Competitive. Just really like it. And we're going to go to Mobile, Alabama, uh, where the South Alabama Jaguars are going to be hosting the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Hard for me to just call them Louisiana. I still call them Louisiana Lafayette, yeah, but South Alabama Lane 10 in that Sunbelt uh, Conference showdown this Saturday. South Alabama, first of all, they've certainly had a couple of stinkers so far this season. Uh, the Jaguars lost their season opener uh, uh, to uh, Tulane by 20 points at Tulane in New Orleans. A much-anticipated game. I think the line probably closed under 6, seems like, but
0: you know, really highly
1: anticipated by a lot of us, and it just never came to fruition. It was dominated by Tulane. And then uh, in late September, I think it might have been September 23rd, inexplicably, oh. South Carolina loses at home to Mack Middle Feeder, Central Michigan, 34-30. to South Alabama in that game was a 16-point favorite. But they've got an experienced uh, and talented quarterback in Carter uh, Bradley. They've got a high-powered offense. The Jaguars currently averaging 35.5 points per game to rank 12th nationally in scoring. They average 6.1 yards per play, so a very uh, strong uh, offensive unit there. And you look at Louisiana's defense, four of the Raging Cajuns' six FBS opponents this season have scored at least 30 points, so 30-minute points or more, rather, against the Raging Cajuns, so I expect South Alabama to put up some points uh, in offensive numbers, uh, especially through the air. And I'll talk about that a little bit. South Alabama ranks among the nation's top 25 teams in yards per pass attempt at 8.5 yards per pass attempt. Louisiana Lafayette, they don't defend the pass very well. They rank 116th nationally in defensive yards per pass attempt, They allow 8.3 yards uh, per pass. So I think South Alabama is going to be able to throw that football a little bit. I think they're going to score 35-plus. I think they're going to cover that 10-point spread, win by a couple of touchdowns or more, take South Alabama minus 10 over Louisiana Saturday in Mobile. So, folks, that will do it for another edition of the uh, Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of today's podcast. Have a great weekend. Of watching college football until next time signing out i'm paul stone
0: thank you for listening to the paul stone sports podcast make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode and visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member only access to paul's college football college basketball and pga tour golf picks and predictions